Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 56. And unlike other previous episodes in the past where we usually have on a CEO or a CTO or you know somebody like working on a really, really major project or application or a new token or a new public chain protocol, etc., uh, you know, we wanted to do something a little bit different, but at the same time we wanted to do something very useful um, for the general community. So you know today we're going to be having a discussion about mining specifically programmatic pal uh, and we were actually uh very lucky to get uh christy herself whose team and a few other individuals who are currently like working on like that spec uh in the space for ethereum uh and i believe her last name is monahan did i say that correctly My, is it monahan or minahan is it a, or what or do you do you go by a weird, real last name christy <laughs> minahan Minahan. Okay. Okay. I, I did not know if that was just like a joke handle and you just had mine in it and that was just a pure coincidence. <laughs> I, I was I was a miner before it was cool in crypto. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. All right. Cool. I thought it was just your handle. So, you know, we're here um, with Chrissy today. And of course, you know, I'm joined by our two great loyal co-hosts, uh, Corey Petty, who's going to help us really kind of hammer in and hone in here on the signal on like how we should really be thinking about ProPal today. And then, of course, we have Dimitri here, our tech, our textbook skeptic, um, who's going to be here to, <laughs> to, to help us dig in on this more. So, hey, guys, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Uh, D here. I'm, I'm skeptical of lots of things. I was recently pitched an idea, boba coffee, and I was like, that's stupid. Boba tea is fine. <laughs> boba tea is fine. Everybody's okay with that. So I'm here to be skeptical. <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, Dr. Corey Petty. I, I did a lot of work in my, my previous life doing computational physics, really looking at the implementations of software on hardware to try and make them um, as efficient as possible. And these types of things of our, are always of interest to me, despite me not working in that field anymore. So I have a lot of questions about this, a lot of reasoning around uh, how to do it. Not so much of the social issues that surround it, but more about like what is basic resistance in general and why should we be looking forward to it? So like this is going to be this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, I'm looking to I'm looking to hopefully like learn a lot myself. So, you know, I've been working on and researching and talking about, you know, diff digital currencies for for many, many years and proof of stake was one of the first ones I really fell onto with a uh, combination PAL proof of stake using it as a means to like bootstrap a distribution and then obviously POS as a means to like secure the network after that. So, and this is this is really important to me and the handshake we we uh we rolled a new custom proof of work algorithm with uh, KMAC and um Blake 2B for C Blake. Um, so I'm very curious to learn more about ProPal and just like the general mindset. So that being said, um, Christy, uh, if you could just do us a favor and, you know, let's before we get into the discussions to start talking about things that folks might be uh, get mad about or just feel feel emotional about. Let's let's tell people who you are. Let's define you as a person first. So like like who who are you, Christy? Where, where are you from? And, and how and how did we get so lucky to have you here today with that? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just a girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, um, uh, I'm currently a chief technology officer for Core Scientific, a large U.S.-based um, hosting uh, company for blockchain and artificial intelligence. And I've been involved in uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain since 2008, though professionally since 2010. And I've really been focused on the... Um, hardware development and cryptocurrency mining side as it pertains to algorithms, speeding up those algorithms and translating those algorithms into different forms of hardware. Um, mm -hmm. Previously, I've worked at Genesis Mining, 
um, as well as a consultant advisor or contractor for not only a few Fortune 500 companies um, in the spaces of GPU and CPU, but also for a few of the cryptocurrency ASIC manufacturers, including Bitmain and uh, InnoSilicon. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hell yeah. That's a good background. Um, so, uh, so, so would you say that in general, the cryptocurrency space is something that uh, you get really excited about and it's something that aside from the work that you do, you'd probably still be a part of the community? Um, I would, I would say so. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been a part of my upbringing. I'm quite close to it. I often say that cryptocurrency, uh, sorry, I often say that Bitcoin itself mm-hmm. has taught me everything I know about x86 architecture, which is very true. It's mm-hmm. been a main driver for my exploration and my um, curiosity in how hardware works and how, um, compilers are terrible and how software translates onto hardware. Mm-hmm. So very passionate about this space um, and very passionate about mining in general. Got it. Got it. So uh, that being said, we can we can get into this discussion in many different ways. But I think the most appropriate way to get into this is to sort of like kind of just like set the stage and then we'll, we'll kind of start the process from there. So the best way to do that would be to to ask you, Christy. So, you know, we're at this sort of crossroads. You you all have been working on this proposal for a while. There is code. There is, you know, many different, you know, articles talking about like its strength, why it's important, etc. which you were also great to share with us all so we could review and be on the same page today. Um, so let's 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 start by getting your perspective on where the pro pal like debate is or why it has even become a, a debate and kind of and, and we'll 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 go from there and try and chew out uh, you know either what is good and or bad uh, objectively or subjectively and then we'll talk about like where it could possibly go. Sure, um, I think the thing I've learned the most in the last two months is that <clears throat> pro pal is not just a technical discussion it's also a political one mm-hmm. so on the technical side there is a lot of discussion around um, what kind of hardware do we want to secure the ethereum network do we want it to be gpus which are naturally decentralized um, readily available um, and cater more to the home miner or do we want it to be asics which are usually only sold to enterprises um, the second piece is do we want asic resistance anymore ASIC resistance was a goal of Ethereum and at hash uh, four years ago, and it was a key part of the um, yellow paper. Mm-hmm. But naturally, things evolve over time. So there's a lot of discussion from both, uh, you know, developers, application, um, application users, stakeholders and miners about do we is ASIC resistance um, part of our part of our vision for Ethereum's future? The third piece is, um, do we even care about the proof of work portion of Ethereum anymore? Because proof of stake is, quote, on the horizon. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that piece. Now, on the political piece, it's very much a story about the governance of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stakeholders or application developers feel like their voice was not heard or their opinions were not heard. And a decision on ProgPal was made without their input. So that is a big piece of it. Um, the second piece is that miners believe that they are not heard, that they do not have a voice, and that their values or their um, their their contributions to the Ethereum network are no longer valid um, or not even desired or wanted. And um, 
that that has really stressed the Ethereum governance piece. And the third piece is many people are pushing back because one program, uh, uh, Pow is very technical. It mm-hmm. does, um, it does take a bit of understanding of how GPUs intimately work about how hardware intimately works and that can cause a bit of um confusion stress a little bit of chaos because as i've always said software developers and hardware developers often live in um different worlds and what the other camp does is considered black magic it's very rare for the two to converge in one way and it's even rarer for someone to intimately understand um software and intimately understand hardware um, so there's all of those different signals, concerns. I'm sure I've missed others as well. Um, truly, mm-hmm. I'm more involved in the technical side rather than the political side. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear what uh, you peop- uh, what you guys have seen in the community. What has been the biggest mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. concerns about ProgPal? Yeah. I so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Teddy. There's, there's two. There's two ways in which we can take this. Um, that are kind of like a great way to kind of introduce the subject that are the kind of the two arguments that I hear. Um, one being a social one, the other one being a, a hardware one. I think starting off with the hardware one is easier because we can, we can, it's a little bit more objective. And that is, um, what is ASIC resistance? It's, it's a concept of, in my opinion, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a, of a misnomer or, or like ASIC proof is a misnomer. Um, ASIC resistance is an an inevitability. You can always build a specialized piece of hardware that does a particular algorithm. The idea of algorithms is that they map to to machines in some way, shape, or form, and you can build a machine that matches an algorithm perfectly. The goal in a lot of these arguments, or at least for um, ASIC resistance in cryptocurrency, is to make an algorithm that um, is difficult to create a highly efficient um, counter- counterpart hardware uh, that's that's hard to get to. So you can't make a piece of machine. You can't you can't make another machine that performs this algorithm much 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 faster on much 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 less power than what's currently available to the average consumer. And the goal of ProgPal, as I have understood it, is to make an algorithm that matches almost perfectly to commodity hardware that is GPUs, such that. It's not economically feasible to create ASICs. You can still do it because you can always do that. And most of the previous ASIC resistance um, uh, algorithms were basically just ways of kicking the can down the road because the way ASICs currently work didn't work for these algorithms. So that being said, um, what is ASIC resistance in the context of ProgPal and, and and what is ProgPal trying to do in this argument? Excellent. You... You are my new favorite friend because you uh, you get it. <laughs> um, so definitely, it's definitely it's um, about that one piece. ASIC resistance is a myth, um, and it's a fallacy. Proof of yes. work requires yes. some form of ASIC to do the work. Um, instead, we we state that actually ProgPal is aims to capture the um, total energy cost. Of an algorithm, so so pr- proof of work is inherently about having a mathematical proof of costs in both hardware and energy. Now, at 
ethash as an algorithm could not capture a big part of that hardware expense the the compute engine in the mathematical proof instead it only captured the memory interface so this is why you could have a cryptocurrency asic that cut out that huge part of the gpu that wasn't being captured in the math prompt power is simply means to capture the entirety of the hardware cost as best as it can um this is why uh power consumption goes up um because it starts using the gpu core something that was inherently ignored by ethash why because it's incredibly hard to balance um balance the design across both amd and nvidia it requires expertise in both gpu architectures down at the assembly level and down at the hardware level mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so progpal states that um also hash rate is actually just a measure of the energy cost so one of the biggest arguments um around asics is hey they actually generate more hash rate so they make the network more secure we state mm. that no this is not how hash rate actually works it's a measure of your energy cost and as long as everyone is measured in the same way the energy consumption per unit does not matter a miner will continue to invest in as much energy or as much hash rate as they can afford the operating mm. cost economics do not change because you switch the units of measurement from at hash to prog pow hash um it's about the global hash rate which is measuring the total economic weight of everyone's contribution to securing the network. Um so inherently that's that is what uh Progpal aims to do. It aims to close this efficiency gap available to specialized uh, ASICs or fixed function ASICs. Now, what's the okay, so and aside from just the pure um you know fairness of this and obviously extending the runway um for eth related hashing as we work on other projects what's your perspective around the potential implementation of progpal and if we can you know get a audit out of the way that folks socially feel comfortable with that it was done with a particular disparate group that's hands linked away from you all and then have that audit be complete have that empirical evidence in front of us uh communicate that in the best way that we can to the generalized community and and and, and say they're ready for it and we're going to do it and we're going to implement it and everything's good how does progpal fall in line with um all the additional architectural changes that will come with like eth 2.0 and etc are you wholly fixated on the future of eth 1.x and its maintainment going forward in the future what is what is your perspective outside of once this is implemented what comes or what sure. so so would you like me to talk as if def else at collect um yes yes that would that would be that would be that would be perfect actually sure so we've actually stated in our very first implementation that this mm-hmm. was simply designed to make um the transition to proof of stake smoother so one mm-hmm. it was designed to um uh to prevent any sort of contention from asic um asic miners specifically um a lot of centralized parties that uh currently control a majority of the hash rate that may not be operating in the interests of ethereum and the application base mm-hmm. and um originally progpal was actually um tied to casper and uh uh casper ffg so um a lot has changed since then we still believe 
that it is important to protect Ethereum 1.0 because mm -hmm. that chain will continue to be maintained for at least two to three years. Mm -hmm. Now think about proof of stake. Proof of stake, um, we have been saying for, uh, I would think it has almost been three, three years now that it is just across the horizon. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is software never ships on time. So many things can happen between now and then. Um, you know, a new specification could, uh, could come up, new research could come up, and there still needs to be a transition period from, for all of those applications and clients to be migrated over to Ethereum 2.0. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. Ethereum 1.0 needs to be phased out very gently. It is surprising how many enterprises have actually built businesses on Ethereum. So ProgPow is really designed to protect the Ethereum 1.0 chain and secure it for its longevity. Uh, longevity. Mm -hmm. Now, once Ethereum 2.0 come, comes around and everything has been successfully migrated off it, there will be a gentle winding down period where GPU miners transition off the network. And uh, coincidentally, a lot of the hardware that they have invested in the Ethereum ecosystem will also phase out. Um, GPU hardware uh, life cycles are usually around four to five years. So it's a very good um, time frame. So mm -hmm. things will slowly phase out. Now, what will happen if we keep at hash? Well, we know that there is a uh, there is an ASIC being produced for it. Um, we know that ASICs have been produced for it, but they are not widely distributed or commercially available. You can no longer buy an Ethereum E3. You can no longer buy, um, and from from what we have understood, you've never been able to buy an InnoSilicon Ethereum machine. We know that they have produced these machines in large quantities. We know they are currently hosted and hash hashing. Where are they? Who owns them? Um, and we also know that an Ethereum ASIC that is uh, apparently um, 10x plus the um, the power of a regular GPU card is on the horizon and that the manufacturers have openly stated they will only sell to businesses or people that pass their customer qualification checks. Mm -hmm. um, we also know that it, today in the industry, it's very hard to get cryptocurrency ASICs into a lot of countries. Um, in the US, which I am intimately familiar with now, operating at a large scale, um, we have tariffs around specialized hardware. Um, and it is, you have to pay quite a lot to get equipment into the US. We know that cryptocurrency ASICs are not um, able to be imported into countries like Venezuela very easily or Ukraine, etc. They're not in large plentiful supply. Contrast this with the GPU or with the CPU. These things are off-the-shelf hardware. They're widely distributed because um, the manufacturers main supply chains are retail, so they produce in large quantity and large volumes. Um, they do not do uh, made to order or built to, um, built to order um, requests. They actually just produce um, for the supply chains and then sell them out. Um, so two very different hardware hardware ecosystems. And the biggest piece, of course, is that in cryptocurrency ASIC land, you inherently have hardware that is designed by small private companies that one are not regulated by um, private, uh, sorry, by public company rules or public company markets. 
They historically compete with their customers and continue to do so. Um, they do not pass any quality uh, control checks. There are no UL certifications. There's no audits around the firmware that goes on these machines. So think about what kind of hardware you want to secure your $15 billion financial network. Do you want it to be GPUs, which are used in mission-critical environments and have rules and regulations around how they're distributed and operated and are in plentiful supply and have you know, a lot of eyes on the firmware, on the compilers, on the source code, and on how they work? Or do you want it on cryptocurrency ASICs, which are black boxes? Now, as, as, as I have looked, um, you know, kind of like further into, you know, the, the materials and stuff that you have provided me, because, uh, you know, I have a very intimate understanding of, of how to make a more, you know, kind of efficient mining ecosystem for the space. But at the same time, I've got one or two concerns. So um, these concerns fall in line in, in particular with the OpenCL implementation um, uh, f- uh, for, for the mining uh, uh, implementation itself. So and so as we know, uh, mining on commodity GPUs like AMD and NVIDIA can be two different beasts, um, you know, depending on, uh, you know, what type of algorithms you throw at it and how exactly that uh, particular mining implementation has been like uh, pro- uh, optimized prior. Um, so that said, in its current implementation, can you give me some ideas around and given the fixed parameters that we have set in place that was currently in the form of an EIP, is there any generalized advantages for an A and D GPU over a NVIDIA GPU right now? And that same question in the same vein, at Core Scientific, are you all using either AMDs or NVIDIA in order to do what it is you're doing in relation to AI or machine learning? Or I'm not quite sure exactly your, but you all's business model there at Core Scientific. But maybe you could just give me some ideas as to like maybe if and when this was integrated, given the official uh, potential efficiencies or deficiencies of AMD and NVIDIA, does it and does it help Core Scientific at all? Sure. Um- so first and foremost, um, quite a lot of independent mining, uh, independent auditing has been done around 0.9.3, the latest mm-hmm. spec of ProgPal, and mm-hmm. how that maps to AMD and NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe I shared uh, that post with you guys. Mm-hmm. So it's actually fairly balanced. Um, the reality is, number one, you cannot have truly equal hash rate between these two architectures that's because fundamentally the silicone is different um amd has historically been very great at memory bandwidth um because of you know their cost they've been really weak on uh the core the gpu core this this is true in pretty much every video game out there this is why video games naturally you know have that favoritism towards nvidia Yep. So when so when ProgPal starts to use the GPU core, um, that becomes apparent. That being said, um, NVIDIA and AMD implementations are done without any sort of specific optimizations for one or the other. So we didn't mm-hmm. use any NVIDIA specific um, specific functions. We didn't use any AMD specific functions. We've done the implementations in OpenCL and CUDA, mm-hmm. um, and they map quite well to around about one mega hash per 10 watts. And there are Hmm. variances. So you will see some miners get 13 watts or some miners get 15 watts. This is Mm -hmm. because there are so many different OEM variations. Um, The GPU ecosystem is massive. 
an OEM variation of like a Sapphire AMD 580 uh, mm-hmm. will consume 50 watts more than an MSI implementation of an AMD 580. It's just mm-hmm. because of the PCBs, the makeup. Um, mm-hmm. As as software developers, um, you can't actually control that. Um, the second piece is that most of the testing, the independent testing that is done, that has caused a lot of this uh, concern, was actually done um, with different or alternating ProgPal blocks. So a really important piece is when you're testing ProgPal, you need to ensure you're doing it on the exact same ProgPal block. Um, for benchmarking, because um, because ProgPal has random math uh, with with each block period, um, that will change the saturation around the uh, around the GPU core. Thus, it will change the hash rate. Um, so there are variances in between that. So um, I guess I, thought, I wanna I wanna maybe take a step back and 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 maybe for some of our audience that doesn't quite understand what that means, and, and when you're doing computations, certain types of 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 operations take different um, flops or, or compute cycles to actually perform. And when you have random math, that means that that particular part of the algorithm um, won't be the same co- amount of computation. And in this case, it's the same hardware amount of energy uh, consumed to actually do that type of thing. So you, they can't be compared to each other. Correct. Okay. Correct. So you need to make sure that like when you're benchmarking for discussion's sake, you're doing it at AMD and NVIDIA card at ProgPal block 20, not ProgPal block 21 and 22, or not just mining and then saying, hey, look, my NVIDIA card has a hash rate of 10 and my AMD card has a hash rate of 7. Um, you need to make sure that you have the same sort of uh, test units in, in your test. Um, comparing apples and again, to apples. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The other piece is, like I said, inherently these are two different, very different architectures. They have a different silicon makeup. So ProgPal has um, done its absolute best on both architectures. Um, now we have gotten uh, both AMD and NVIDIA in its early stages of ProgPal to actually review the algorithm hmm. and to make sure, hey, do you agree we're not favoring your competitor? And yes, they did agree. And we've been very open and transparent about uh, the results. And every step of the way, uh, people from the core development community were looped into any of those communications we had. Mm. Um, now there was your point about core scientific. Um, so mm-hmm. this has been, this has been a very amusing piece, um, mm. considering that ProgPal has nothing to do with core scientific and mm. ProgPal was actually implemented or, you know, re- released before I had even joined mm. core scientific, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Core Scientific is a co-location provider. Mm-hmm. So that means that we provide hosting services to people that um, have their own equipment. We mm-hmm. do this for the artificial intelligence side and for the um, and for the blockchain side. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for our artificial intelligence side, we um, we are working with AMD, but we do have a NVIDIA DGX ready data center. And um, today, most of our customers use NVIDIA hardware. This mm. is because most of the data science ecosystem uses NVIDIA hardware. And mm. if you go and ask AMD, they'll be very open about this. Mm. They have um, no kind of investment in the software architecture, no kind of investment in the support around AI. They have a lot of catching up to do. And historically, mm. their hardware has been weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, naturally, yes, we, we have more NVIDIA hardware. 
Mm-hmm. That being mm-hmm. said, um, Core Scientific does not do mining of their own. We mm-hmm. have our own. We have our own little test bed, um, which is really so I can terrorize. Um, mm-hmm. But most mostly, it's made up of ASICs and many mm-hmm. different kinds of ASICs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually prefer ASICs professionally. They consume more power, so we make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do not gamble in cryptocurrency mining, and that's a really um, uh, important differentiator for a lot of our client base, because this means should cryptocurrency crash, uh, or should Bitcoin go to zero and everything disappears, our business will not be affected. We will still be there. Sure, mm-hmm. it will hurt. You know, it's not like we won't notice it, but it will not uh, take our business off the map. Which is important when you think about a hosting provider, because in the cryptocurrency winter, we've actually seen a lot of mining farms shutting down because they had a lot of their holdings in cryptocurrency or it no longer became profitable to operate. So what would you say is the what was your core motivation to come on to help with ProPal? I'm really trying to just understand where its origins lie and like and and who has been kind of like it's um, kind of like it's it's an advocate since it's gotten this far like and and so i guess i'm also trying to figure out what what does core scientific have anything to do with this if at all it doesn't at all if you ask any of my colleagues what prog pow is um they will have a blank stare and they'll go <laughs> oh that must be that weird crypto thing christy christy's involved in um core scientific is not involved in in the cryptocurrency ecosystem like this so where's um, so your prob- so where's your motivation come from for this? So I, I am part of IFDEFELS. I am Missif. Okay. Um, IFDEFELS. Mm-hmm. We we are we were a very small team um, of three originally that created mm-hmm. uh, ProgPal. Um, and it was it's really important to understand that a proof of work algorithm cannot be designed without um, a lot of industry expertise software expertise and hardware mm-hmm. expertise mm-hmm. so um you know we all have full-time jobs that uh and i've i've been very open about this that are um, related in some way to silicon to um to uh, systems verification to hardware um to gpus cpus and also to the cryptocurrency ecosystem which is a big uh my big piece so um, if this so if this was implemented does this help uh, core scientific's margins and or customers in any way gain any additional efficiencies that will allow it to make any additional money given this economy of scale? Um, obviously, we would stand to benefit from people that would want to host with us, but yes. ProgPow isn't going to convince them to go ship their equipment from China to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. ProgPow actually eliminates a lot of the efficiency gains that I can get today. So this is an important part we should touch on. Because Edhash yes, is fundamentally um, unoptimized, I can mm-hmm. have an efficiency gain of 50%. Um, mm-hmm. And we have proven this with uh, one of the tools I'm most infamous for, which is Flargement. So obviously, we have a lot to gain from Edhash, um, quite a lot. ProgPow is inst- uh, intimately mapped to both hardware types. You can actually verify it yourself with NVIDIA Compute and with uh, AMD's version of that, which I forget what it is. Um, So you can actually see how the software um, translates to the hardware and how it saturates the whole entirety of the hardware. Um, Mm -hmm. This means I don't have a lot of efficiency, uh, efficiency, um, 
this means that I don't have a lot of um, optimizations to gain from. It doesn't mm -hmm. work well with vBIOSes and GPU mm -hmm. firmware. Um, miners have actually verified and tested that. So um, because because ProgPow is so intimately tied to the GPU core, so there's nothing I can do there with modifying memory timings. Um, obviously, there's always going to be assembly-based optimizations, but you can't do that very well for CUDA. So I would have to somehow have an individual hand-tuning the assembly every 2.5 minutes, which doesn't make sense. Hmm. So we've been very open and honest about that. And quite frankly, people far more smarter than me, Andrea LaFranche is uh, one of those people, um, have actually gone and optimized the uh, ProgPal miner for Ethereum, um, which is the F-Miner implementation. Um, and they've done a far better job than I could ever do, uh, which I'm, I'm very thankful and very grateful for. Um, you also have Claymore saying that he will make an optimized version of ProgPal once it's available, and so that he'll widely distribute that, and you'll have a lot of more community members engaged. So um, obviously it removes any kind of my scary, uh, scary efficiency. It's, uh, I'm the one without the extreme technical acumen in this conversation. I feel like uh, it's a very dense technical argument over what's actually a social and political problem. I mean, I there, think if, so there's, as well. if there's no sense in if, if we all know mining resistance is a myth, then what we're trying to do is say, OK, well, who gets the money with the best machines? And if somebody has better machines, then we all of a sudden say, well, we need to change the math so their machines don't work anymore. And why? To me, that's a socio-political thing. That's got nothing to do with the technology at all. And as we've we've stated very openly, um, ProgPow is balanced across both hardware architectures. Now, obviously, it will not work very well. It, it does consume more power, so it doesn't work with a lot of the six- or seven-year-old GPU cards, which, quite frankly, cannot mine Ethereum sustainably anymore today, regardless. Mm -hmm. um, and it does not change the DAG, so that was a big, uh, a big piece. It doesn't change the DAG file. Um, so your three gigabyte card will not work with ProgPal. Um, this is not something, this is not a choice we make as IFDFLs. That's a choice that the Ethereum core developers can make. Do they want to change the DAG? Uh, yes or no. You, uh, mm -hmm. um, sorry, sorry. I was, I'm just, I have a question. So can the ASIC miners and GPU miners, they can still mine or is, right? Yeah. I mean, so, so ProgPal, um, will disable existing ASICs because obviously it'll be a hard fork. You can build an ASIC for ProgPal. It's just not going to have a huge efficiency gain per, uh, USD per hash per watt, um, which is a very important metric. You have to see all three of those, um, over, over an existing GPU card. Now, what are the, um, kind of what are the second order or like social implications that happen when we hard fork into ProgPal and, you know, we obviously we have, uh, you know, a drop in hash rate, um, you know, given ASICs. What what uh, estimations, approximations or empirical evidence has been attempted to be collected on what this will do to ease hash rate and if does it make it vulnerable in any sense if we were to implement this? 
Um, you know, because if it just means we use more hardware, commodity hardware, we use more of the GPU, we use, we use more of the, uh, you know, the onboard like memory, great. But what what happens when we just have someone set up with a lot of, you know, um, uh, devices somewhere that can efficiently mine ETH and then now we have like efficiency gains or potentially like release ourselves to like some additional vulnerability for someone with a setup that we did not know existed. Um, so let's, uh, let's go through each of those pieces. Um, so number one, I think, uh, it's an important thing for viewers to understand that given my history, I'm actually uniquely qualified to speak about, um, mining farms globally. So, Mm -hmm. uh, working for Genesis mining, uh, we, we operated farms in quite a large variety of countries. And I've also been an advisor or consultant to many farms. So I've worked in China. Um, building quite one of the largest uh, GPU data centers in the world. Mm-hmm. I've worked in uh, I've worked in Sweden. I've worked in Norway, Russia, Ukraine. Um, then worked in London. Um, uh, worked in Kazakhstan, etc. So a very global footprint. Um, so inherently, um, I keep professional for professional reasons and also out of curiosity i keep an eye on what kind of hardware is in the ecosystem so we know that there's only ethereum asics um which is the e3 which is really just a collection of um old d ddr3 um ddr4 memory um combined with the compute core and we know that there's the um inno silicon ethereum asic which is a g6 that um could not reach specification they could not reach their targeted uh speed uh due to the memory file so they never released um and there are some speculations from obelisk that they Mm -hmm. never even taped out um Mm -hmm. so we know that a large majority of the ecosystem is amd hardware and nvidia hardware Mm-hmm. Um, if someone was to have numbers around current operating ASICs, they would most likely be under NDA because that would require them to have intimate knowledge of the sales figures around mm-hmm. Bitmain and InnoSilicon. And obviously mm-hmm. that kind of information could not be released publicly. So let me preface with that. Um, number, number two, what would happen if we, we forked? Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be two scenarios. One is that GPU miners are going to go off on their own fork. And number two is that ASIC, uh, sorry, GPU miners will go off on their own fork and ASIC miners will go off on their own fork. We know that 75% of the Ethereum ecosystem is voting for ProgPal. Um, so that means that you're going to have at least, you know, either 75% of miners or at least over 51% of miners, um, you know, following that chain. Now, mm-hmm. that paradigm may change once mm-hmm. Lindsay finishes their Ethereum ASICs. So we don't know what will happen there. Um, we don't yeah. know what kind of scale they'll be producing at. We don't know who they will exclusively sell to. We do not know who is funding them. They're mm-hmm. not a public company. They don't follow those kinds of rules. The other mm-hmm. piece is about, um, is about vulnerabilities. Have a think about what kind of vulnerabilities are available. Um, the proof of work portion only touches your verification it -hmm. doesn't touch the ethereum virtual machine or anything else related to it um it because it's two times the uh, 2x the data being processed Mm -hmm. it will um it will uh have an effect on verification speed but as long as you know the it's all about how the global ecosystem operates 
Um, so as long as the global ecosystem is slowed down, verification will largely remain the same. Mm. Um, and people far smarter than I have verified that and talked about that, namely a lot of the client implementers. Um, so that's an important piece. The, the third thing, uh, I believe you asked about is economies of scale. Mm-hmm. So this is something that, um, is really important to understanding how ProgPal works in mining in mm-hmm. general. Economies of scale will always exist. You Correct. cannot get away, away from economies of scale. They are a fact of life. Instead, you need to figure out which economy of scale you're going to bet your entire user base and your ecosystem and your, um, which kind of economy of scale are you going to partner with? So co-location does not mean centralization. That is really important for users to understand. In a co-location model, when you are hosting your hardware, with um, mm-hmm. someone else, you're taking advantage of their low electricity rates, but you still own the hardware. You haven't yeah. become any more decentralized. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't exist. You know, as I, I speak to this as core scientific, when a user b- puts their equipment in our data center, that doesn't mean that suddenly we, we own that equipment and we can do what we want with it. It belongs mm-hmm. to the user. They have exclusive rights to it. It's still their hardware. Mm-hmm. So as long as we have many, many users of Ethereum, it doesn't matter where that hardware is hosted in. Um, mm-hmm. Because of how global computing works, there are always going to be data centers. And power is natu- naturally going to be um, concentrated to these large data center operators. But all of them offer co-location. This is how mm-hmm. the industry works. Genesis Mining never ran its own data centers. Mm-hmm. Ever. I think that's really an important piece it for is. people to understand. A company that operated at such a large scale always co-located. Have a look at Azure. Have a look at AWS. Have a look at Google. Yes, they do have some of their own data centers for very sensitive workloads. But um, in the we- recent, uh, or maybe it's not so recent, but remember in the WikiLeaks dump of all of AWS's data centers? Have a look at how many of them were co-location p- places. Mm-hmm. Have a look where NVIDIA co-locates their equipment. Have a look at where AMD co-locates their equipment. Have a look where banks co-locate. Co-location is a thing in this industry. Um, so that does not mean centralization at all. It just mm-hmm. means that you're saying, hey, you actually specialize in operating and running a data center. It's actually pretty hard. It costs a lot of money and you, you negotiate the best power rates. I'd rather just give my equipment to you and just reap the benefits. So that's really important to understand with ProgPal. Um, we're going to have co-location and large data centers, no matter if we have GPUs or ASICs. Got it. It's, uh, yeah. Really just trying to like wrap my head, okay, around any potential asymmetric advantages that might either, you know, show up in the form of software or might show up in the form of, you know, uh, ad- advantages and, you know, co-location or, you know, just like general, like, you know, ge- geographic presence. So that being said, um, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and I'm going to ask you one other particular question. Uh, and that is, you know, I am very familiar with um, the creation of OpenCL implementations, particularly ones that, uh, you know, work, you know, cross-platform AMD GPU, but also work across uh, efficiently across Unix, Linux, I mean, excuse me, Unix, uh, um, Mac, and uh, Windows. So as you all were creating the software, you know, making it as 
efficient and or non-efficient as you could. Um, obviously, you guys are very specialized and have a deep subject matter expertise into how it works, given the individual loops, um, uh, different, you know, modulized components that you could take out, add in, and add your own additional efficiencies, wherein when the miner it goes out, you could have your own privatized version of the mining software that is more optimized for ProgPal, given that you understand it more. So what um, what can make us feel comfortable that since you said it yourself, um, that, you know, hardware specialization is something that can be very difficult mm -hmm. to understand from not only a software development standpoint, but also a general consumer. So how do I feel comfortable that you all won't take your expertise to create a privatized miner similar to like Claymore that's more efficient? And then you provide that to folks that co-locate through your through your firm core scientific. So first and foremost, obviously we will, uh, full transparency, Core Scientific does provide optimizations. That's part ah, of why uh -huh. I was hired. Yes, yes, we yes. We provide mm -hmm. all of this additional value add to anyone yeah. that's co-located with us. Why wouldn't And you? that's for both artificial intelligence and, um, and cryptocurrency, specifically mm -hmm. around ASICs. So we mm -hmm. have 20% uh, performance gain on ASIC on S9, uh, S9 machines. So let's go back a bit about the OpenCL implementation. You are stating that I am so brilliant and so intelligent that somehow I have fooled all the other F-minor experts that have worked intimately with um, with software for not quite, years not now. quite, not quite, not quite. All I'm, 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 uh, really kind of like. Not insinuating or suggesting. It's just, no, no, it's, let, me, let me finish. Okay, 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 okay. okay. You were also just, stating just, that um, Andrea Lafranche, who has put a lot of work into um, actually optimizing our very poor reference implementation, mm -hmm. um, somehow missed uh, some of our backdoor secrets. Um, how do you feel comfortable with it? Well, I believe that's what the audit is for from least authority. Mm -hmm. The biggest piece is that there are so many eyes on ProgPal and OpenCL is actually well studied um, mm -hmm. and well researched by uh, a lot of the different implementers. And ProgPal actually only changes a very small portion of the proof of work algorithm. Mm -hmm. um, if you actually look at it, it's only 25 lines. Yep. You can also look at, um, at Insight Compute and you can read our write-ups where we break down what, um, what it's doing. And you can use AMD's version of it um, to actually see where the inefficiencies are in our OpenCL implementation that we could actually um, abuse. Yes. So for an astute reader, uh, sorry, for, I guess, a listener uh, mm -hmm. is better better way to say it. Mm -hmm. This would be pieces um, such as you might notice that um, a certain OpenCL variable or operation takes more clock cycles to execute than an assembly version. So mm. someone could go in and write an um, ISA version or an assembly version or a PTX SAS version. Mm -hmm. However, we have publicly stated you would only get a 1% to 2% performance increase at best. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to break a lot of things. That isn't mm -hmm. something that I'm going to do or work on. I, mm -hmm. I'm I'm a corporate CTO. Um, I have a lot, <laughs> I have a lot of other things to focus on than, of course. Uh, than that. Um, and I think the way you get comfortable with it is doing your own independent research, um, working with the least authority, and getting their review of OpenCL, and asking other hardware experts and other specifically other GPU compute engineers. Mm -hmm. Go ask Lolydeb, who created um, the optimized Beam Miner and the algorithm for Beam. 
Go ask Trump, uh, who worked with, uh, you know, uh, Grin and created yep. Cuckoo Cycle. Um, go ask Claymore. Look at all of the other independent GPU miners that have actually pointed out, hey, um, you know, we see nothing wrong here. Don't mm-hmm. trust me. Do your own independent research. Good, good, good. That good, being good. said, I, I, I have to say, I find it pretty awesome that people think I'm so, so, like, intelligent when I'm really, really not, <laughs> that I somehow have left a secret. secret no, 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 no. That's, that's, no not the insinu- that's not the insinuation at all. I'm not <laughs> saying there's a secret backdoor, obviously, because it's open source software. What I was really stating was that, uh, you know, giving your ex expertise, right? You would obviously make certain assumptions that as you were building this out, as you were getting it audited, etc., that it would be perceived by its auditors and its uh, users as a certain way. And obviously you would uh, just assume that there was a certain level of like optimizations and considerations that were made when it was when it was constructed. And if I didn't have the amount of expertise, I might not know what I'm looking at or know that if I went in and made certain adjustments, would it make this more efficient and or less efficient? So, you know, even if you were to be able to max out a one and or two percent gain, on economies of scale where there are billions uh, billions of dollars on the line, even a one or two percent gain is still advantageous to me if if that is sure. my core, that's my core business model, right? Sure. So but how is that um, something that's only available to me? Oh no no no, no 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 not only no 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 not at all not only available to you just only available to you knowing what exactly to be targeted and or fixed, but. Um, that being said, given the statements that you've made in relation to like lease authority with everyone else having like been online and taking a look, look at it, obviously the more diversified eyes that you have on it, the more, you know, um, that is lessened. I'm more so just trying exactly. to make sure I, 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 you know, put my tinfoil hat on and ask all the questions that folks that might not, you know, have in, they, they might be worried about like, ah, you know, they didn't ask her this. They didn't ask her that. Um, so, so that being said, is there anything that we have not asked you that you think might be beneficial for us to know that might help skirt more of that scaredness? Well, I think people should just uh, should just openly talk, um, mm-hmm. openly talk. If you're if you're concerned about you know ProPal security, this is the reason we're having an audit. If you're concerned about the implementations, um, there are community managers for cryptocurrency in both Nvidia and AMD. Go ask them. Go ask them what they think about. Um, there have been many pairs of eyes on ProPal from um, MIT to a lot of universities to a lot of friends. Go ask what um, their thoughts are. Mark Bevand, um, some wonderful people from the Monero community have all contributed feedback. You know, this is very much a community-driven development cycle. Mm. We're not saying that we know it all. Mm. Remember, my biggest statement is that you need many p- pieces of eyes on ProgPal to be able to get um, proper optimizations and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're really in- interested, um, go, go talk to Andrea. Uh, the lead Ethminer dev who has spent more time than even if def else combined working on ProgPal, which is quite a statement. Go talk to Martin Swende, uh, or Swindy. Uh, I've butchered his name. He's going to be mad, but, um, one of our, one of our biggest supporters about why he trusts ProgPal. Go talk to Nick Johnson. Um, go talk to all of the other people who have worked intimately with the code and who understand the algorithm. Um, mm-hmm. Do your own research. You do not have to trust me. The whole point is you do not have to trust. You have to verify. Mm-hmm. And look at the other miners that are doing these benchmarkings. 
Um, I think it is important for the community to understand. They often state, hey, oh, it halves my hash rate. That's okay. Um, it's it, Hash rate is just about your relative performance compared to everyone else. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, so I, I guess the perfect question would be, Dimitri, you came into this discussion, you know, candidly beforehand, like not quite sure what it is that we wanted to like kind of like get out of this. How, how has, has your perspective changed any through this discussion, given that you're maybe not as technical as Corey or not? Um, no, I, I think <laughs> it has. I mean, crypto to me, crypto, why I love crypto is because it's beautifully engineered greed. And that's never going to change. I mean, we could try to stave off centralization as much as we want to, but that doesn't change the fact that even if you have GPU mining, there's a lot more people that can buy 20 GPUs at 150 bucks than they mm -hmm. can buy 20 GPUs at $600. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to have centralization. You're always going to have people tapping into their inner greed to try and get an advantage. It's programmed ah. into it. So I don't let me, under, let, I don't, let uh, me contest that piece again. Yeah. Uniquely qualified to talk about GPUs at a conference scale. Kill it, Christy. <laughs> Knock it out of the ballpark. Go ahead. Um, so again, so one of the things we talk about is how GPUs are actually, um, you know, sold by public companies that are regulated and have financial authorities that decide, you know, what kind of what kind of deals can be given. Um, number number one rule to learn about public companies is they cannot give special backdoor deals. Um, number two is that hardware is usually sold at profit plus margins. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, sorry, uh, at cost plus margins. Cost plus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is something like, you know, your cost plus, usually it's 40%. Mm -hmm. um, and I think most hardware people will agree with me on that. Now, um, the cost of your GPU ASIC uh, naturally goes down as the GPU's life cycle Um uh, slowly phases out. This is to say that when an RX 480 was first produced, its mm -hmm. ASIC cost was higher. Um, mm -hmm. Towards to now, an RX 480 to keep producing those uh, those chips, and I believe they still do. You know, it's it's what the RX 580 is made out of. Um, mm -hmm. The the cost is much different. Mm -hmm. Second, the economies of scale, you know, these really cheap GPUs are actually available to everyone. There is a healthy reseller ecosystem in cryptocurrency, a scary reseller ecosystem. Um, so if you want to get, you know, $150 GPUs, nothing is stopping you as a home miner. There are Telegram channels, there are Reddit, Reddits, there's marketplaces, there's eBay. Um, most of this really cheap equipment is actually used. Number two, uh, GPU companies historically do not sell to um, to uh, they do not sell chips exclusively to um, individuals. That's a really important thing to understand. Um, the, when you when you try and get really cheap cards, the very first thing you want to do is you want to start manufacturing them yourself. We did that mm -hmm. as uh, GM, full disclosure, but we were always tied to um to the gpu cost and the memory cost so gpu mm -hmm. manufacturers bundle these two they're actually not allowed to sell gpu chips uh independently there are rules and regulations around that so they always have to bundle them with memory um so we we were always bound to that cost and it's actually on um, the exact same cost that aic's or an oems get 
Um, so we didn't get any special preference. All that mm -hmm. happened was we were able to make our own PCB designs. Why did we do that? It didn't give us some super secret efficiency gain. Actually, it just made our deployments easier. We wanted to take off the HDMI, HDMI and all the video ports, the things that caused us personal stress. And we wanted to ensure that our cards were passively cooled for our very specific deployment. The drive um, costs down too? Uh, so the PCB, there's very negligible costs you can get uh, driven down. We actually only saved $2 per card to around mm -hmm. $3 per card. Um, and even then, that wasn't a large cost savings. Now, mm. can test that to um, what the home miner would get. You know, the home miner, as long as they're buying from a proper OEM that doesn't, uh, that didn't, you know, price absurdly high during the cryptocurrency craze, mm -hmm. um, you know, they they will they will get the same price that we got as Genesis Mining. So there's always going to be those economies of scale that doesn't disappear, but if you're really going to start investing in mining, the very first thing you want to do is you want to go study, research, and find where to get the equipment cheaply. Um, that doesn't change the point that you can't really do that with ASICs. Think about if you want to go buy a um, E3 today. Where are you going to get an E3? Can you buy it off Bitmain's website? No. You can get it off. You can get it off eBay maybe um, for exorbitant prices. Mm -hmm. How are you going to get that into the U.S.? You're going to have to pay a large amount of tariffs on that um, because it's manufactured in China. Um, mm -hmm. How are you going to put that in your house? Does your does your wall support 1,500 watt plus watts? Um, I'm learning that's uh, we have very. Uh, I'm learning that you're not allowed to run ASICs in uh, residential uh, areas, at least mm. here uh, where I'm located. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my house didn't support four video cars. It was loud. It was hot. Mm -hmm. It was annoying. I had to put that shit in the shed. I had to put it <laughs> in my house, and then I had to build exhaust. And that's just this was what so, 2014. So so I got to ask you, why didn't you get passive cooled cards? Uh, if it was loud and it was hot, why not get passive cooled cards um, and invest in just having a, you know, having a GPU fan, uh, sorry, a case fan and putting it in a case. I should send you a picture of what I built. I had fans out the wazoo. I had an exhaust system that took in cold air from my AC mm -hmm. unit and blew hot air up through the ceiling. It was, it was a masterpiece. But what quickly happened is. <laughs> that is awesome. What quickly happened is I got bodied out of the market because other people could buy way more cards or they could build better facilities to have more graphics cards. And, you know, I was a teacher at the time for mm -hmm. like $4,000 mining rig for a teacher in exactly something you plan for in the budget. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so, so then is that really the hardware's fault or is it your fault as a buyer for not? you know, in, in driving down on the cost more, buying from some of these resellers. And would it also not be fair to say that, you know, this this is way out of the scope of what a proof-of-work algorithm can do? At least the hardware you were buying could have warranty tied to it. At least the hardware you were buying had quality control around it. At least the hardware you were buying was commercially available. And at least the hardware you were buying had... Um, uh, large audits around the firmware that was operating. Mm. A story for for readers. Um, as as I've stated, I worked uh, for for 
sorry, a story for listeners. Um, as mm -hmm. stated, I worked for Genesis Mining, running, handled a lot of ASICs um, at a very scary scale. Um, what happens when there's a backdoor in Bitmain's firmware mm -hmm. that allows all of your ASICs to be bricked? So what happens if even the GPU, what happens if the AMDs and the NVIDIAs of the world evolve and crypto's the thing that we love and it's ubiquitous and they change the rules of the games they say okay well if you're mining with these bad boys your warranty isn't going to be the same if you're mining with these bad boys the specs aren't going to be the same we've changed that we now control that what happens so if let's they talk do about things? that um nvidia and amd don't set that it's actually the oems so the people who produce the pcbs uh set those rules there are over 80, 80 to 120 different OEMs globally. Mm -hmm. um, you will naturally an OEM that says, hey, I'm only going to provide three months warranty. Miners will stop buying from that OEM. They'll go over to one of the 119 other OEMs that say, hey, guys, I'm going to provide you with a year's warranty. Mm -hmm. um, there are also regu regulations around this. Now, some of these OEMs are private, privately owned companies. Some are public. Miners will go to the public companies who have, you know, rules around how much warranty they're supposed to provide on these cards. Um, I believe it's governed in the EU that you need to provide. Now, don't quote me on this. I could be completely talking out of my ass, but I believe that you're meant to have um, a warranty period for certain types of consumer hardware for at least a year uh, in the EU, maybe more. Mm. So this gets governed by, you know, other other authorities out there and the other piece to um that i think is important for people to understand let's put this at uh in terms of economies of scale the, the gpu uh the gpu industry today is over 420 billion that is amortized across their main verticals um that's amortized across gaming hpc and ai ai is projected to have a one point two trillion tam by 2023 um cryptocurrency is not going to be at a trillion dollars um at, in you know in the next four to five years it's currently only valued at 146 billion oh come on not with that attitude christy <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna do some more pumping some more <laughs> Now let's let's talk about the other piece people often uh, forget in this whole GPU debate. It's not just AMD and Nvidia that Power is basically putting you into an arms race with. Um, Intel's getting into the game. Let's also think about the memory manufacturers. Three hundred and twenty-five billion dollars at Samsung Electronics today, with three hundred and twenty thousand employees. Sixty billion at Micron Technology, with thirty-four K employees. Um, 56 billion at SK Hynix with 187,000 employees. Um, I mean, that is, that is a very large combined, um, ecosystem. And they're all fighting the trillion dollar war in the cloud, HPC, enterprise, and server verticals. That is their main domination right now. Um, and let's go back to our earlier point. Ethereum 1.0 will phase out. This is a fact. ProgPal will not stop Ethereum 2.0, and it is not designed to stop Ethereum 2.0. It is designed 
for the gentle transition and to ensure that the miners that have invested in this network can slowly phase out and designed to ensure that there are no vulnerabilities or weaknesses. Also, I just got your picture and that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I, I my first one was a milk crate. So I Oh, I, look at uh, that I'm ugly right thing. there with you. It's so ugly. <laughs> Whatever, man. Wow. I put my heart into that. Man. I love it. I, I love welded it. that frame literally with a welding machine. That is amazing. That's love. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I I, I don't think, I I think um, for any of your listeners that are application developers, I want them to understand how much innovation mining has actually caused this industry. Mm -hmm. Remember, I've been involved uh, now professionally for 10 years. Um, I've seen the entire evolution of cryptocurrency from, you know, its very beginning on both software and hardware up to this point. I have seen how it has caused innovation and how we build data centers. Um, That has actually helped so many verticals outside of crypto. It's a domino effect. It has taught people how to make more efficient, heavy compute data centers. It has helped people transition away from CPUs for most of their processing to GPUs and FPGAs. That is a beautiful thing. Do you know how much better our ecosystem is if we have more GPU computing power? Think about, you know, all of the research and um, all of the research that's done with GPUs today. Think about how many banking systems run on GPUs. Think about, you know, all of your types of games that you love to play powered by GPUs. Think about video streaming, blah, blah, blah. Um, The innovation around GPUs has actually taught us so much about the artificial intelligence world as well. Um, Because of GPU miners, AMD actually learned how to optimize their memory timings to make better GPUs for games. I want application developers to think about why, um, why you know, I'm so passionate. I want them to understand why I'm passionate about mining. AMD did not understand that, or rather I should say, AMD had no idea you could get any sort of advantage when um, you tuned your GPU card's memory. Guess who taught them that? GPU miners, crypto, because we were so obsessive. Have a think back to 2014 and 2015. Um, If you started, if you were involved around a lot of the uh, forums, there was this guy called the Strix. uh, I think that was his name. Um, And he was, he was selling optimized VBIOSes that could increase your script mining performance by 90% over a regular GPU. And people were like, whoa, this is blank magic. This must only be available to an AMD employee. No, he wasn't an AMD employee. He was just someone that was very curious and very obsessed with firmware and reverse engineered and tinkered and tweaked and found, hey, I can actually, you know, increase this speed and it applies for this very specific workload. So then come to Ethereum. Um, We found out that... uh, I'm sure people will remember back in the days when Ethash was first released, it sucked ass on regular AMD GPUs. They were absolutely crushed by NVIDIA. You could get maybe seven or eight mega hash. It was terrible. Well, there comes in the VBIOS memory time and memory again. Uh, sorry, the VBIOS firmware again. It, it allowed us to optimize 
software at Hash's memory accesses. And all of that innovation, AMD was paying attention because for some reason, a bunch of people kept messaging their customer support saying, hey, how do I do this? How do I flash my memory? How do I flash my vBIOS? Hey, 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 help me. And AMD was like, what the hell? Recently, after talking with them, um, just last week, um, you know, friendly conversation, they mentioned that, you know, they'd been doing experiments now with uh, memory timings for both gaming and for AI. And they had found that um, it increased their current gaming performance uh, for certain games by 7%, and AI performance could be increased by 30 to 40%. And it took cryptocurrency to encourage that kind of innovation. That is fantastic. Now, NVIDIA, on the other hand, has always known this. They're, they're like how many times bigger than AMD? It's no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's also taught me as, you know, a hardware, pa- uh, a very, very passionate hardware hacker to understand that there are synergies between blockchain and AI. And at the end of the day, it's all just data and it's all just algorithms and optimizing algorithms for cryptocurrency because, you know, crypto really teaches you and forces you to hand tune and optimize and get the most performance out of your, out of your hardware. All of that blends over onto artificial intelligence, which is wonderful. We want to encourage AI. We want to encourage, um, fast, efficient artificial intelligence, um, hardware. It helps us. It, it powers self-driving cars. It powers healthcare. Um, and powers, you know, global security, your TVs, blah, blah, this blah. Is, uh, this is bleeding into us. a part two, Stephen. We might not have to have a part two. This is getting to good territory. No. Nah, 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 this is good. No, 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 it's good. No, it's good. So, no, 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 no. So we'll probably, no, we'll probably just have, we'll, we'll, we'll finish at this point and we'll just like wrap it up, but it's okay to have a nice little, what are we, what are we sitting at? Like 59 minutes, 60? Uh, hour 20. Uh, oh, damn. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so we'll let's let's so let's just wrap this one up uh, uh, this line here and then we'll just and we'll, we'll we'll go from there and we'll just we'll try and make it real real uh, real fluid and I'll just cut this part out. Sounds, sounds, sounds good? good. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just just finish up what you're saying and then we'll just like close you very gently. So um, so I want people to start thinking about the kind of innovation that GPUs have caused for the cryptocurrency network. This doesn't just pertain to Ethereum. This this pertains to all of the ecosystem in general. Mm-hmm. GPUs naturally encourage curiosity, experimentation, and any innovation that takes place on a GPU in crypto um, will lend itself to all the different kinds of verticals that GPUs are used in. We are never mm-hmm. going to see a cryptocurrency ASIC used in healthcare or machine learning or powering your self-driving car. That doesn't happen. Um so something something important for when application developers in the Ethereum ecosystem say, hey, why do you care about GPUs so much? That's just one vertical I've seen. Plus, you know, how it has changed data centers is is a huge is a huge piece. Um, and there's plenty more reasons, but I guess we leave that for another time. No, no, it's perfect. So uh it has been one hell of a ride <laughs> uh, with this with this discussion. I think that um, you know uh, Petty had to scoot out of here a little bit early, so that's why you haven't heard much from him since. Um, but you know this has been one hell of a conversation. I definitely do feel like 
I have a lot of my initial concerns because I don't necessarily consider myself a paranoid conspiracist, but I'm probably a paranoid conspiracist. So clearly when I you know, saw that somebody was coming along to try and like trudge something, what seems like a hasty manner into the Ethereum ecosystem. And then obviously, once you really hear it all out, it's something that has been, you know, very well thought about, um, very well reviewed by a lot of different outside individuals. And I think that a lot of folks have, you know, their monetary sustainability on the line. So obviously, they're a little bit more skeptical than they might need be. And after a long year long bearish period, even more so, right? So, you know, that being said, uh, just having these discussions and being able to, you know, one, put a person behind the face of the people putting these projects to and like and to humanize them is really half the battle when these socio-technical, socio-political problems become uh, contentious. And uh, it's really just like, here's 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 this person. Uh, here is generally their motivations. Uh, here are their general technical, you know, uh, perspectives on why this is important. And these are the facts empirically. And here's he's reviewed it. And we leave it at that. Um Anything else, uh, you know, obviously, you know, clearly people are going to find something to pick at no matter what we say and deliver, given how technical and how overarching a lot of these different projects and, you know, systems can be. Um, but, but, but that said, you know, thank you, Christy, for taking the time to, you know, patiently sit down and explain all these things so concisely. Of course. And um, if you ever have any questions, technical, social, political or otherwise, Feel free to reach out to me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm oh, got a girl on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty open. And you know, I do have a full time job, but um, when I get a spare moment, I'm happy to talk, especially as it pertains to cryptocurrency, blockchain, and the future of artificial intelligence. Yep, and uh, Dimitri, hopefully you 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 garner a lot of like additional like understanding from like you know this conversation too. And like, I, do you feel confident? Yeah, man, I, I I do. I I feel pretty confident. I under, I understand a lot more about Prog Pow. That's what I call it. Pow. Prog Pow. Well, th- Go ahead. All right. Well, well, thank you, Christy, again. And um, you know, uh, if you know, let's let's hopefully this uh, additional education. It might might be an hour and twenty minutes, but hey, if you listen to the entirety of this thing, you you, you probably got a lot of great great value out of it and hopefully your your perspective is more enriched so thank you for your time today and uh if, if this contention continues and we have any other sort of qualms issues or concerns and it still looks like this is going to be implemented maybe we'll have to have you back but hopefully not and hopefully we were able to you know squash this so thank you for your time christy thank you so much for having me guys and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you you too thank you you have a great day have and great and yeah all right yep we're good